Hello, I'm Kim Parrott with Sea Change Resources, and I'm more than delighted to introduce this next episode of Leadership in the Blue Economy. We're talking with Melanie Nadeau, the CEO of Cove, Center for Ocean Ventures and Entrepreneurship in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We cover a lot of water in this conversation, from workforce development to infrastructure onshore and offshore that fosters collaboration, to enablers and accelerators of leadership, including the pandemic. There's a whole segment on the Stella Maris project that we pulled out and saved for its very own episode. It's that cool of an initiative. So for now, thanks for joining us. Tighten your seatbelt and enjoy the ride. Melanie, thanks so much for joining us today to talk about leadership in the blue economy. And um, I think it might be helpful to start off with a definition of terms. So blue economy, what, what does that mean to you? Well, the blue economy to me means how we use our ocean resources for economic benefits and do it in a sustainable way. And so in simple terms, I think that's really how I think about the blue economy. So you are now CEO of Cove, the Center for Ocean Ventures and Entrepreneurship. I'd like to hear more about that shortly, but tell us how you got here. What's, what's your story? Well, that's a very interesting question because, uh, you know, the more that I think about it, it probably dates back to over 25 years ago. So mm -hmm. I started my very early career in the Canadian Navy. And I sailed both along the Atlantic and the Pacific coasts. And I don't know if it got me to where I am here today, but what I can say is that I've always had a love for the ocean and a big respect for the ocean. Mm. So I had a lot of experience in those early days. And then, you know, navigated my career, if you will. You know, I left the Navy and went to do uh, engineering and then was involved in working uh, with auto manufacturers, with clean technologies. Eventually, I got into the energy industry that morphed into the offshore energy side where I got back to the ocean space and, uh, and then really developed my more my business skills, if you will, over the last 10 years or so. And the opportunity that brought me actually from central Canada, so I used to be in Ontario, mm -hmm. to the east coast of Canada here in Halifax was again the ocean. So I, I started uh, my work here with a company when I moved here in Halifax with a company called Emera Inc., which is uh, largely an energy uh, company in the utilities business. And uh, my first job with them was to uh, figure out some investments in offshore energy. And then that morphed through, you know, different jobs throughout my whole time that I was with that company. But it brought me to Nova Scotia. And, it, and like I said, it, my first job was focused on the oceans. So somehow over the last 25 years, I seem to be recirculating back in and around the ocean. And obviously now being CEO of the Center for Ocean Ventures and Entrepreneurship, I'm back at it again and really closely tied to the ocean. And I'm so fortunate because, you know, I look out my office and see the ocean. So the short of it is uh, maybe that's been my career path. I always uh, connect the dots over, over, over decades um, back to the ocean. 
Yeah, the call of the ocean, that seems to be a theme as I talk to different leaders in this space is, is a very personal connection to the ocean as well as a professional interest. So tell, tell me more about Cove. What is the mission? What is the work that you are doing? Well, our mission is to advance the commercialization of ocean tech and how we do that. So we're an innovation center, uh, innovation hub located in, uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And uh, we are, you know, really one, a very, in a very unique position where we are really a central focus within Canada's ocean tech cluster, innovation cluster, but even globally. Uh, and our uniqueness is really around uh, the ability that we have to allow anywhere from a venture, so a startup, to grow, to grow the business of a multinational. And we have all those type of companies within our remit. And the reason or the how of that is really because we operate a, uh, you know, a facility, a collaborative facility. And who knew that collaboration would happen, but we do see it day in and day out. So a collaborative facility that has workshops, um, co-working space, we have a working waterfront with deep water piers, marginal wharfs, floating docks. Uh, we have a very interesting mix of different organizations that are physically located at our center, and then more broadly that we work with. So anywhere from academic uh, institutes to, I mentioned the startups, to the global enterprises, to the SMEs are all within very close proximity. So there is a real nature of, or collaborative nature that happens by physical space. Mm -hmm. And then what we do a lot of times is um, we're a broker of business. I should call it a broker of business because we work with, you know, we've got uh, these 60 or so companies. And then on top of that, we've got 40 plus partnerships and active partnerships. So we're somewhat of a glue and a knower of what's going on in the market or with different organizations and oftentimes connect the dots to, to drive business. Um, so that's a big piece of what we do. The other part of what we do is we, uh, you know, we run programs. So we do have different programs. So we're very focused on developing the workforce of the future. We know in this sector that there's a high need for diversity. There's also a high need for skilled talent, whether it be in the trade side or the professional side, there's uh, a need there. And so we have programs like that. We also have programs on collaborative infrastructure. So I talked about the facility we have on land, but we also have collaborative infrastructure offshore. Mm -hmm. And the real focus of that is to get to market faster. So figure out ways where you can develop your tech and get it to market faster, get more information quicker, and so on. So that's another area of focus in our programming for us. And then I mentioned the startups. We have a Cove startup yard here um, as well. So we work with the startups and, and, uh, and we're really tied to different parts of the ecosystem. We also work very closely with uh, academic institutes. And in many cases, our, our lens is really about commercialization and that's what we do. Um, you know, that's part of our DNA. And we also work with, because we're so central to a lot of the, the industry, um, we have so many partners that we can work with on that commercialization piece. 
So we have certain partnerships that we have with different academic institutes, for example, um, and our lens is really on how do we commercialize, what can be commercialized, and again, how do we get that to market? Mm. Wow. Well, I'd say in addition to being a business broker, you're, all, you're also a convener, a convener of conversations. And, and I know um, that my team has attended and will attend dialogues that hosted by Cove around the blue economy. So, so not only are you doing so much physically um, onshore and offshore, but also in the virtual space of, of mm -hmm. connecting stakeholders, um, you know, the blue economy is global. So you, you are facilitating those conversations and I, I thank you for that. So let's talk more about the workforce development. What are the talent needs in, in this blue economy? How do you attract it? How do you develop it? How do you retain it? And I know those are separate things, but if you, you'd speak to your perspective on that, that pipeline that needs to be cultivated. Well, first off, I think those are all big questions. Um, and uh, it's clear that, you know, Cove, we're, we're working away at trying to understand all those questions. Mm -hmm. And one um, realization that I've come to over my career is that you just don't have one pathway. You need so many different pathways to try to get an engaged workforce, retain a workforce, get the right talent in place. And so it's not a simple answer, I guess, what I would say. So what we've been focused on, um, you know, the last couple of years, we've spent a lot of time and research truly understanding, like, what are some of those challenges or what are the, the pathways that should be focused on? And so we have some publications out there. And, and one of the areas that we researched was young people. Mm -hmm. So why are young people not uh, choosing careers in the ocean sector. And that analysis showed us, so we went, you know, from grade school, young people, I mean, at that level, to understand why aren't you thinking about this as part of a career path? And one of the conclusions around that was, well, you know, for some of these young people was that when I think about a career in ocean, in the ocean sector, I think about it's dark it's a dirty sector. And, and, you know, and these are, these are quotes from some of these young people. And so we did a, you know, a pretty good survey and um, across Canada. And so what it concluded was the one thing that we have to do is change young people's mindset um, to create a potential career paths that they could see themselves in. So a little example with that research knowledge that we did, we worked a lot with different schools. So anywhere from grade six onwards in our research, and I think this is you know, fair knowledge in the academic space, but young people start sensitizing to themselves to potential careers when they're in grade six. So like really young. Yeah. So you've got to start at a very young age. And so we've developed uh, career profiles that are not dark and gloomy, that are, you know, anywhere from how does a mathematician work in the ocean sector? Mm -hmm. How does an environmental technologist, how does a welder work in the ocean sector? And try to develop these career paths, and we have fact sheets around those, that um, can give young people an idea of what they could do. And so we do, you know, programming too with young people around. We just finished a, a session where we were trying to engage young women 
in this sector. So we had a Woman in Ocean Tech series over the last couple of months, which was about engaging young girls in grades 10 to 12 to again be open their eyes to one a, a future in in STEM. So we were largely focused on STEM, but also a future in the ocean sector. And so a lot of it is education. And again, it's not just the grade six, it's the young woman in the high school um, that we're focused on. And and so it doesn't really end there. So that's some of the sort of the early work that we've done. Um, We've worked with schools also to do professional development days around getting teachers to understand how they can teach their students about oceans Mm -hmm. through integrated learning. So that's been another pathway. We're also quite focused at the moment on uh, underrepresented groups So in this sector, at least in Canada, um, just from a gender point of view, it's about 2% female. Uh, So there are strides to be made there. And then if you look at other underrepresented groups, uh, you know, I don't know that we even have the stats for that, but it's, it's significantly lower. So there's a definite need for diversity. So that's a growing focus for us. And we're looking at, you know, we've started these conversations through the virtual talks that we've done, like changing the Changing Tide series that we did in the fall. Um, We had salons following those with a select group of people to discuss about, to discuss how, how do you start breaking this apart and how do you start having impact? And so now we're thinking about, well, what does that look like from a programmatic uh, point of view? Um, so again, it goes back to there are so many different pathways and we're trying to understand, you know, with uh, what our capabilities and our capacities are and all our partners, how do we, how do we um, have impact with the pathways that we're developing? So that's, you know, a little bit of a, a short on some of our programming. The other thing that we do is we work closely too with like our community college here. Uh, the Nova Social Community College, who has fabulous programs in this sector. Um, And so, you know, they have a program for Indigenous people and women, um, and they've started that with great success. So how do we work with them to try to get that um, be a long-term sustainable program and get industry to buy into something like that and get young people or these diverse groups jobs in the sector? And then, then how do you tackle retention? Yes. So retention is a tricky one, um, for sure. So I'm a, an engineer by background and uh, have worked in the, you know, with many different engineers. And in fact, now I sit on the Engineers Nova Scotia Council. And, you know, it's, it's an ongoing challenge because we can graduate engineers that are female, for example, uh, but retention is so difficult. So, uh, so that's, again, you know, another area, how do you retain once you graduate, uh, that needs to be tackled and and we haven't really put our minds there on the retention yet because we're still trying to just build the 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 pipeline, if you will, of talent. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot to tackle and you really have to think long term, and systemically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right factors. Yeah, so you know, the challenges we're facing, again, globally, no, none of us can tackle them alone. And the ocean itself, you know, is without boundaries or, or many boundaries. What are some examples of partnerships, of collaborations that you're seeing in, in Canada or, or beyond of, of basically, you know, very different types of stakeholders coming together to try to solve some of these, these global issues? 
Well, you know, the, the, the interesting thing with the ocean is that we're, you know, all many countries are connected. So if you've got uh, an ocean uh, shoreline, you're connected to, you know, for us, we're connected to New England. Mm-hmm. Um, we're connected to Europe. So there is no doubt that it, um, that creates these big ocean challenges that are not different for Canadians versus uh, Americans or Europeans, right? So so we do have big things to collectively um, address. And when we think about those challenges, so I think about um, as a nation, um, food security. Mm-hmm. So we know that we've been looking at the blue economy as an avenue to provide food security. And in Canada, obviously, has uh, with our coastlines, has been very involved in the fisheries and has an aquaculture sector as well. Well, how do we uh, continue those sectors in a sustainable way? And that's just not an isolation. Of course, it's working as a as a global um, with a global mindset in place to try to understand how do we sustainably um, operate our fisheries. It's not, you know, unique to Canada, I would say, or any specific country. It's a very global effort. The other one around food security is how do we produce um, more protein mm-hmm. from our aquatic environment? And so there's a lot of of not just research, but companies that I'm seeing that are developing different types of proteins that are ocean-based. And that's largely to, to address this bigger challenge that we, we have as, a, as a, the world essentially around global, uh, global food security. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's um, quite interesting. The whole other uh, big challenge um, that we have that's, that's global in nature is decarbonization. Mm-hmm. And the ocean has a big role to that. So not only from, you know, using our resources to produce cleaner, renewable energy, like offshore wind, um, offshore tidal or offshore wave energy, but also in how we operate transportation in the ocean environment. So marine transportation, how do we decarbonize that? And that's, you know, uh, marine transportation is an international business. It is not jurisdictional. So it's, it's these global challenges that we have that are not unique to one particular nation that, um, you know, we need to focus on. And I would say, you know, there are definitely um, global groups that are focused on these challenges. Obviously, the OECD, there are, um, you know, Maritime Alliance, there are many groups that have different think tanks or different government, governments that are trying to adjust these challenges. And, um, you know, and I think there's probably more of that needed with more focus and direction. But yeah, I I think, you you know, the reality is, is that um, no one nation is likely going to solve these major global challenges by doing at it themselves. It's really an interconnectivity now, and uh, we have to work together on on those. Yeah, so well said. So, so that being the case, from a leadership perspective, because that's what I do, I focus on what are the tools that, that leaders need to, to tackle the challenges, which are essentially all opportunities, really, you know, an opportunity to, to feed the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think is needed at the leadership level for these conversations and collaborations between countries, even? or industries, you know, like these very segmented bodies, what do you think is needed at the leadership level 
you know, the ocean is vast. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we've got to, to have direction. We need to, to narrow that vastness. And so, you know, if, if we were to say, say Canada was to say that we are focused in three areas and we are working with the U.S. on, on um, say, the Arctic or this particular area that's of mutual of interest, that provides direction, that provides concentration, it provides focus. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that's definitely one of the areas where I think it would be an enabler of that, that leadership is to drive with focus. Because again, I go to the ocean is vast. There's so many players in the ocean. And so, so focus is quite important. Um, I think there's also a need to, to be the front the first movers at trying to, to put a stake in the ground and solving these big challenges that we have. Mm -hmm. So food security through our oceans. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, again, it, it's, is it a policy play or is it, you know, a, a industry or research play that we need to coalesce around to, to do that with, with focus and um, acceleration mm -hmm. to try to solve those kind of global challenges. So, so, you know, leadership is, is always, you know, one thing, you never make everyone happy. Um, so if you focus, you may not make everybody happy that's in the ocean space, but it does drive that attention and does drive that focus. And, and then whether it's industry or research or, um, or whoever else is in the ecosystem, they can, they can start um, understanding how they fit in that focus. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that word direction. Um, it ties into the leadership model we work with here at Sea Change, which is the DAC model, direction, alignment, and commitment. That when those three are present, leadership is happening. So that's what you're describing. You know, that direction creates a concentration, which creates momentum. Mm. So that can happen at the macro level, which is what we're talking. What are you seeing at the micro level, say at the startup level? What do you think needs to, what would be a leadership accelerator at that level? Well, you know, the, the thing that's really interesting right now that I'm seeing with the ability that we've all gone virtual, I always think it's a bit of a silver lining because we're now quite quickly interconnected. Mm -hmm. And um, I participate in something called the Creative Destruction Lab that is an accelerator um, and it is focused, there's an ocean core right now and I'm a mentor for it. But what's been really neat through this pandemic is that all of a sudden we have venture capitalists from all over the world that participate. We have companies, startups from all over the world that are participating in that. We have mentors from around the world that are participating. And because of the very nature of us now being more um, accommodating of having meetings through video, we've been able to create this global community very, very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the acceleration mm -hmm. because it goes to, we're not, we can't do this alone. So even when, you know, the startups, the competitiveness around startups, well, it's not just Nova Scotia startups now, it mm -hmm. is global startups that are in the mix. So you've got to, you've got to accelerate, you've got to grow, you've got, you know, if you want the attention of a venture capitalist, you're competing in the market. So, 
So I think that's been a quite an interesting evolution. Um, same with, you know, when we, even from Cove, again, a granular level. So we are, are very focused on developing our international relationships with like-minded organizations. Mm -hmm. And uh, that again, I mean, there's goods and bads, but we can, we can pick up the video line now and call, you know, our counterparts in Europe and say, well, how can we really do this? Like, how, how does this get done? And there's a lot more openness, I feel, around um, having those conversations and, and feeling like it might actually happen, <laughs> you know, so less orchestration around it. So there, there's been some of those barriers that have been removed by the, the global nature of how we're able to connect with people. I mean, the downside is the conversations are not the same. The relationships are not the same. So totally get that. But I think it's, it's, it's scaled up the value that we're able to get, say, in the startup ecosystem. It's scaling up you know, our value if we're able to connect with like-minded partners across the world and develop partnerships that are meaningful. Yeah, pandemic is accelerator. Yeah. It's an interesting concept. And I know it's, you know, it's forced us to rethink our business model. And from a sustainability perspective, um, you know, I used to hop on a plane once or twice a month and fly somewhere. And now I'm looking very closely at, is, is that, the best stewardship of resources and you know we've had to create virtual programming so what's the blend you know it is a blend going forward I don't think we give up on the person to person because as human beings that's, that's what we need but um, yeah we've all had to rethink it and in a very short amount of time companies around the world have rethought and redesigned their approach how can people follow you, follow Co, follow the Stella Morris project? What's the best way for us to keep track of all this amazing work? Well, our website is uh, coveocean.com. So that's definitely an avenue to, uh, to check us out. Through our website, you can get our monthly newsletters. So we issue monthly newsletters about what's happening um, with us. And then, of course, we're th through different social media uh, channels. So LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Facebook, uh, we're on all those uh, different channels. So feel free to follow us. And we provide uh, updates on the Stellamaris as well as what's going on in industry, what's going on on site, what's going on with our partners and, um, and so on. So there's a lot of information there. Melanie, thank you for the work you're doing. I'm exhilarated after this conversation to know that all of this is happening and, and for the the modeling, the leading the way that, that you are doing, that Cove is doing, that Canada is doing for, for the rest of the world. Again, thank you. Well, thank you so much.